Hi everyone, I am ecstatic. I'm so hyped right now to think about the fact that Invo is on its third podcast. My name is Lanisha Allen. I am the founder and CEO of Invo. This week on Honoring the Opinions of Black Men, we have Jaden, Malik, and Nick who will talk about their experiences navigating their gender and their racial identity. Thank you. All right, let's jump in. I'm going to start with Jaden McKinslin, who is currently a brand specialist for BMW and Audi with experience in property management and development, talent and recruitment mentorship with the Boys and Girls Club in New York and children and adolescent basketball, baseball and football coach through relief efforts for vision, integrity and purpose. Jaden, please introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm a supporter of dismantling mental health stigmas and marginalized communities and specific concerns. Uh, for black men. Um, I also have a uh, keen interest in community development uh, with uh, firm beliefs of increased healthy healthy mental wellness uh, that can serve as uh, a tool to advance black community. Thank you, Jaden. Welcome. So I have Malik here who is born and raised in Roxbury, Massachusetts. He is an entrepreneur and the owner of Fly Connection Clothing that's been around since 2011. And he's also an entrepreneur for Lounge 5 Hookah, which has been around since 2016. Malik, can you please introduce yourself to our audience? Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing on this blessed day? This is Malik speaking. What's going on? Nice. Thank you. Okay. And I also have Nick Francois here, who is a personal trainer and has his own business. He's constantly building for a better self and he strives for greatness and putting love and camaraderie back into the black community. Nick, please introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, this is Nick Francois. As Lanisha said, I am founder of Building Rome, uh, personal train from my own home. Uh, I'm excited to do this podcast today share what I got going on in my head and hopefully enlighten people who who listen. So I'm ready to do this. Thank you, Nick. So I'm going to quickly just start off with you. You know, what is the need for this collaboration in the project? We as Black men, we don't express ourselves in a healthy fashion enough. Uh, We don't express ourselves in an open platform like this. Like We have a lot that's going on, especially today with with, uh, social justice, racial justice, what have you. Um, so anytime we get to speak, it's better. Uh, you get to feel us, you get to, you know, relate to us, empathize with us to see what we got going on because we are facing mental health issues. We are facing financial issues. We are facing um, global issues. So there's a lot going on. And so anytime that we get a chance to speak on it, we have to. It's not even like we should. It's so it's a, it's a, it's our almost our civil duty as black men to to talk. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. It's our civil duty as black men to talk. Thank you, Nick. And Jaden, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, uh, I think it's all about representation. Uh, to create a uh, imagery to to normalize black men being human. You know, uh, so much in. In the media, we're portrayed as just being monsters or just being overly aggressive or being something um, that's more so worse off. I think um, it's it's completely impossible to be a black man these days because of certain certain entities in the media that kind of portray us in, in such a dark light. So uh, for me, I think it's uh, me being here is just uh, part of just normalizing the conversation of of black men being something better and quite frankly you know just trying to normalize the conversation of what what being just a good man or a good human being is supposed to be quite frankly mm, thank you so malik i i just wanted to start um and jump into the question and ask you what was it about invo that encouraged you to come on here today well i felt like you know this was a platform that we're you know most likely in the world that we live in now as a black man we, we don't have a chance to really be open, but um on this platform, it was a place that we could be open and, and feel safe and, and, and talk about, you know, what's going on in our community. So I said, this is a good idea. Mm. And thank you for being here. And I, and I agree with you. It's really important for people to hear about your experiences um, from your mouth. And I'm going to actually have you jump into describing what does it mean to you to be a Black man? 
what does it mean to me to be a black man? Uh, I'm going to say it's, it's about stigmas, violence, uh, uh, microaggressions, about aggressions, I would say. Um, the negative and uh, controversial stereotypes of being a black man is, is, is extremely hard. And um, I'm aiming to find the, uh, the kingdom uh, that was taken from us, uh, that we deserve uh, to, to have given back, quite frankly. Or, and if they don't give it back, I, I feel at this point in, our, in, in our, our lifetime that we need to just assert ourselves and take it back, quite frankly. Um, okay. uh, being a black man means that, you know, you're a king in, in, in your own right. And quite frankly, because of the history that has been taught or the rhetoric that is projected out there to, to the media or just to, to the masses, um, a lot of black men out there don't realize that they walk in their kingdom. They just need to, to assert themselves again and just quite frankly, just, just take it from them, take it from them, you know, any means, any means necessary, you know? Um, so many times people, uh, walk, as I like to say, walk in darkness. They have no idea, you know, if you shed the light on them or if you kind of put them on that yellow brick brick road to lead them to where the Wizard of Oz is. Um, for black men, I think the kingdom is um, ownership. I think the kingdom is uh, uh, strong family, strong ties into the culture. And um, I think all those things are what make you a king. You just need to understand what that means and what it is, quite frankly. Mm. It sounds like regaining your identity um, and learning how to be powerful again. Absolutely. Thank you. Nick, and what, what are your thoughts about what it means to be a Black man? It's funny that Jadon says that I was going to say something along those lines. As being a Black man globally is being of royalty, uh, being of the one of the more original races uh, mm-hmm. in the world. A lot of other ethnicities and races have derived from black people the original black people so um we are you know in that sense the chosen people i always feel because like we have so many people that came from us Mm. and so globally we are of of higher class of royalty and you know revered in that sense like in our environment we are the targets um we are a lot of us are confused about our history or don't have acknowledgement of our history, whether it be general history or it be their family history. So mm-hmm. that has caused a lack of tradition in the black community. So nothing is sacred. Everything is mm-hmm. for the now. Um, so we have we don't have things to live off of generationally. And that is where the white man has the advantage because they have generational wealth. And, mm. that, is, and that, is the, that is the main difference between the white man and the black man. And a lot of those things derive from generational wealth, you know? Generational wealth creates uh, automatic advantage for the next generation, obviously, um, where you are able to take different risks and do different things because you always have that backup. That's not always the same advantage you have as a black man because you don't have that backup. So you have to just figure it out. But in, right. that, in that struggle, we are still able to find, you know, music, entertainment, sports, uh, different things to represent us and still like find comfort in that. So it's a, it's a complex thing, but we are the ultimate human being, I feel like. Mm. Thank you, Nick. And I, and I agree with you. You know, you said a comment in regards to, you know, the Black man is the chosen one. And although with the lack of guidance and representation um, locally and globally, it seems like Black men have the ability to put themselves in any field or any position or any career and really flourish and thrive. And what's it like for you, Malik? For me to be a Black man, you know, I'll break it down into, you know, being greatness. You know, you know, we stand as kings and, you know, um, as soon as that everybody realizes this, you know, we could move better in um, as a community, you know. So as me being me, my personal me, myself being a black man, you know, I try to speak to my youth. So, you know, it's all about being a leader. That's being a black man. Mm. So I, I guess my next question is, you know, how does being a black man impact your mental health? You know, from the day of time, I feel like black men were built to be strong anyway. You know, we come from strong women. So 
it's no choice but for us to be built, to be strong. So, you know, that's just the curse with it, the gift and the curse. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think when I hear you talk about representation and, and really supporting the youth and, and trying to stay this powerful black man, it comes with a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges um, and a lot of focus areas that a lot of men don't think about in regards to their gender and their race can really impact their mental health and feeling anxious or overwhelmed or just feeling stressed in general. That's just trying to push forward and be the brilliant king that you are. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So Nick, what are your thoughts? It affects it greatly. And what's sad is that we as black men, which it comes with, with this conversation in general, don't talk about it enough. Um, it comes greatly. If you see, if you're in a position of poverty growing up, like that is not okay to not be able to know when your next meal is or not being able to know where you're going to find your next outfit. That's not okay. You don't, we have made it a norm for those kind of things. We have made it a norm to steal off one another to get by in a, like in a crabs in a, crabs in a barrel kind of method. We have made that a norm in our society and we don't talk about that, which creates great deal of anger frustration, sadness, and it's always masked because we are the black men and we are supposed to be strong. We are supposed to just be Herculaic and just, you know, you know, even people that quote unquote shut up and dribble, that, that's what we're supposed to do. But, you know, and, and when we have all these things going on in a, a, with us, that's creating, like I said, mass stress, mass anxiety, mass like confusion. We haven't, we haven't like, we're having the kids having babies that like not having healthy babies, which is causing um, autism, and that's not even talked about enough in the community. So it's it's a it's a multi-headed monster. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And and Jay, do you have something to add to that? Absolutely. I definitely want to piggyback off of what he stated earlier. Um, I think it's constant anxiety. That's that's the phrase that I would use for uh, to answer that question. It's constant anxiety. Um, it's constant um, toxicity. Um, which relates to, you know, gender and race impacts work in many relationships. Um, there is uh, nowhere for us to, to channel it. And, you know, it stays directly in one place. You know, it stays in our bodies and continuously weighs on us mentally and emotionally, which results in continued stereotypes about men in general, black men in specific. Um, because at the end of the day, um, as I stated a little earlier, when it comes to media, I mean, really, you know, the black man is always stereotyped as being a gangster, as being the aggressor, as being the um, the the uh, the primal um, the primal animal who's who's just reacting off of instinct and not reacting off of uh, reacting off of humor or reacting off of uh, of of sane thought, and um, that's that's a problem. That's a huge problem. And uh, quite frankly, that's that's my answer to that question. It's just the fact that if you put a animal in a cage um, and for black men, I think the cage is um, not just physical, but it's also mental um, where we're stationary and you have a system that's plighted against us as well. So really kind of puts us in a position of damn if we do and damn if we don't. And a lot of uh, a lot of my, my brothers out there, I know they understand the feeling of of no way out. I know they understand the feeling of mm -hmm. continuously feeling like I'm stuck no matter whether I do something right or I do something wrong. And um, obviously, when you when you're when, are, when you're a human being put in that kind of state or uh, of mindset, um, you're you're going to go for what's easy at that point in time, you know, and. Um, uh, easy is never normally the best route to go because it, it doesn't do anything but continue the uh, the chains and the shackles that are put uh, put on you. And and honestly, the easy way normally leads to the physical chains that can be put around you. You know, not, and I'm not talking about the glistening ones that have diamonds in around your neck. Normally, the ones that are around your shackle, your your wrists and your your ankles. Mm. Thank you. Do you think your gender and race influence how you communicate with others? Like, I'm just thinking about, you know, having all these challenges and then always constantly being ridiculed or judged by people in the media or by people in your day-to-day -day lives. I'm wondering if your gender and race influence how you communicate with other people. Oh, yeah. Um, automatically, as a Black man, you have to 
immediately code switch. Black black people in general have to code switch. I'm I, I'm even frustrated that it's even a term or a phrase code switch. Um, mm-hmm. But as black people, we have to code switch automatically to in our workplaces. Um, so you know to be financially ahead in our lives and do what we can do to succeed in the lives. So automatically that off off gate. Um, so a black man in the work community has to be has to be even more on the fence because they have to deal with racism. They have to deal with um, potential women even coming coming out from like harassment things or things of that nature. Like they, we, have, we have to be wary of those kind of things. So we have to be even on a more P's and Q's because we just got a whole bunch of that going on. And then how we even talk to people in our community, like we have this macho thing about us that we have to be you know, the alpha in our community, no matter what community we're in, but in our community, we have to be the alpha and we do things based on that. And so it's always that constant power struggle where it's like alpha versus alpha. And it, 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 it's like two rams, you know, ready to square off and, and it's off what? Like, you, you, you just, I just met you, I'm staring at you instead of greeting you saying, what's mm-hmm. up, you know? And it's little right. things like that, so. A whole bunch of it, a whole bunch of it's going on. We even have to code switch in our own communities. Like that's that's the the crazy part. So like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if more of us suffer from identity crisis. Like you know, because we don't we we have so many faces we have to put on that we don't know who we actually are, and that probably frustrates us as well. So we have mm-hmm. a whole bunch of that to think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And, and I agree with you. I think for myself also as a Black woman, the cold switching is a very hierarchical, hi- hi- hierarchical um, way of reviewing institutional and systemic racism and thinking about so many times we're leaving our homes every day thinking about how people are going to perceive us or review us or think about our approach or our behavior and then judge us on who that is of whether we're professional, whether we're gentle whether we're approachable um so everything that you're saying i think is even more um difficult as a black man because of the male gender Absolutely. domination within our country Absolutely. um Jaden, do you have anything to add about you know your thoughts of if gender and race influence how you communicate with I others i think uh the answer to that question is gender and race you can make the argument is the biggest influence to society today um And I Mm -hmm. think when it comes to gender and race that uh, black and brown men are at the focal point of the conversation or at least should be. Um, I think we're also, for us to be the focal of of the conversation, we're also at the bottom of the totem pole for it. Um, I think that uh, black men are raised off of um, really degenerate uh, uh, imagery of things. I think that, you know, we all were raised and, and watched the music videos of the girls shaking their butt and all that other stuff. You know, that, that just adds to the toxicity of, of you know, sexism. Um, we're all taught, um, but, you know, some of us, unfortunately, in, in abusive relationships with our parents. And, and we're taught there how, um, you know, it's okay to hit a woman. Um, we're taught uh, from examples of our peers how, you know, not protecting a black woman is okay. Um, we're taught... Uh, that race, um, if you're lighter of skin, then, you know, you don't have to be out in the fields. Um, We're taught that if you're darker of skin, that you shouldn't be in the sun for too long. Um, Just all the many, many, I can, and I literally can go on and on and on and on and on, but quite frankly, it's gender and race. uh, Those cross, uh, those crossroads really meet quite frank, uh, quite frankly, all the time for, for black men. And um, the problem is, is that a lot of, I feel that a lot of my brothers out there are, are really not as enlightened as we should be, or we just really don't tap in to the conscious mind state that we should be in. Because um, uh, quite frankly, there's a lot of times where, you know, we're being failed um, as a mass uh, of populace, and we're also failing others because of that. And um, that's that's my answer to that. Gender and race are the biggest influence that you, you could possibly have out there in the world. And, and frankly, I just feel like uh, as a when it comes to being at that table, I just feel like black men uh, as it stands right now are not completely at that table. And we should be. Mm, mm-hmm. 
And I guess as I'm listening to you both talk, like that's, that's a lot to process and it's a lot to have to manage every day. And so how do you, how do you manage that? From my personal experience, you know, I'm a bigger man. So some people might look at me and think I'm a, I might come off aggressive or, you know, they, they don't know my energy until they speak to me. So sometimes it's all about you getting to learn somebody first. If people took the time to learn a black man, they would know that, you know, we're all, some are good, some are bad, but that's just with any human race that we have, you know? So, I mean, it's all about taking the time and, and learning the person before you judge somebody. Mm. Yeah. And it also sounds like being emotionally intelligent, like you taking the time to get to know somebody and, and also sharing with other people where you are sounds like a good way in which you manage your gender and your race of just really being open and telling people where you are so they can meet you there. Correct. Yeah. And Nick? Uh, I can say, especially within the last two years, I've made it a, a thing to express myself more. And that's within anything, just saying, hey, I don't like when you did that, or hey, I like when you did that. And um, I find that that's been a huge help. I find that encouraging people has also given me the confidence to speak about my shortcomings. Because, like, if, you're, if, if I'm so able to, you know, if I'm so comfortable complimenting you, I should be able to tell you my shortcomings and my difficulties that I'm having. So, like, um, I don't know exactly where I got that. I don't know exactly what clicked in me to start doing that, but I, 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 mm-hmm. I, I felt the need to do that because I, I wanted to be someone to be more confident in myself to, to, to speak to people, to, to be able to get whatever's off my chest in a healthy way. Like, I'm not somebody who suffers from huge anger issues or anything, but... You know, I, I, I like like I said, I am human. I am black, so like I, I, I figured something's going on. I don't know. It was, it was just like mm-hmm. you know, it's just stressed, you know. And I felt like within that, I've learned stuff about myself that I didn't know. I, I, I've learned, you know, like how good I am at like expressing myself. Go figure. Um, yeah. And it's been a huge help. So it's just like your group of friends change to start changing those kind of combos. Switch, like I said, you don't. It's not you don't always have to talk about Braun winning his fourth title or Braun being better than Jordan. Like there's other things in life to talk about. Like and then like mm-hmm. and, and being able to have those conversations comfortably. Right. Absolutely. And and I and I agree with you. I think that there is a lot of evidence that discusses how there are many overlapping stereotypes that affect black men. And so when we're thinking about racial and gender stereotypes there's a lot of consequences um, in almost every sector of public life and, and, and navigating your life. So I definitely agree with you. Jaden, do you have anything to add to that? Like just tools or tips and tricks and how you manage um, fighting off the world? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I start off with this. I mean, you could always lead a horse to water, but you can't force them to drink it. Um, and that's, it's unfortunate, but it's the truth. I think um, that you have to start with, if, if you know better, you do better quite frankly. Um, and once you know better, then you should, sh- you should spread that wealth to the rest of your colleagues, to the rest of your friends, to the rest of your family, to the rest of the world. Um, I, I, I share the same sentiment as Nick. Uh, I think within the last maybe two, three years that I kind of just opened up my eyes to a lot of different things. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was completely wide open, but it was just more so of I knew these things, but because they didn't imp- impact me, I, I proceed, I put on this persona of ignorance. And um, um, in today's uh, social climate, you can't, you can't afford to, to, to fall prey to ignorance anymore. Um, I think uh, once I started to realize that, you know what, uh, the things that I was taught wasn't exactly the way it should be. Or when I started to realize that um, things about me were maturing in a good way, I, I needed to change and I needed to continue to mature and I needed to continue so that I wouldn't plateau at this just this one level of, 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 of self-being. Um, it, it made me realize that not only do I need to continue along my journey, but I may need the support. And um, I'm a very, very big uh, a fan of projecting out, putting out there to the world what you want it to be. And for me, I think, you know, changing the uh, amount of time I may spend with friends or changing my verbiage towards them, you know, saying I love you at the end of a phone call to another man like that, that 
doesn't bother me. That doesn't make me quote unquote gay. It doesn't make me feel any lesser of a man. It doesn't make me feel any of the above. It just makes me feel like I'm genuinely expressing the way I feel towards another human being um, who I do appreciate, who I do love, who I do care deeply for, who I do want to see do good in this world. Um, I think a lot of the toxicity in this world is because we were just kind of brainwashed into thinking that this was okay. This is not okay. But I really challenge um, really everyone out there to what, what is really the right way of doing things? You know what I mean? What is really the wrong way of doing things? Um, and, and tox the toxicity levels would drop if we, if we just kind of approach things that way, you know, um, it's okay to be, to hug. It's okay to, for physical touch. It's okay to trust. It's okay to, um, you know, keep people in a certain box where you, you might need them quite frankly. Like, you know, I'm a bit also mm -hmm. a big fan of saying, you know, sometimes you got to feed people with a long handled spoon. Some, some people are meant for hanging out. Some people are not meant for being in somebody's boardroom with you. Some people are okay with, you know, chilling and drinking and smoking or whatever. Other people are not okay to go get money with, you know, um, and you, sometimes you got to separate that, you know, and you also have to understand that whether they're going to be your friend or your foe, you need to understand what place that they're in and understand that you can't always take people with you. And the ones that you can take with you, you kind of have to make sure that you put them under the wing and enlighten them the way that you were enlightened. I think that's that's the that's the I think that's the most crucial thing to to just global change is just understanding like this is the right way to do things, pulling people under your wing and have them spread the message. Because the way I see it, that's the way God did it. Hey, this is what I know is the right way. I'm gonna have my disciples spread the word, and then from there we'll take it. We'll take it from there. And quite frankly, you know what I mean. That's 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 where I stand on it. Yeah, yeah. Malik, what are your thoughts on Black Love? what makes it special or what makes it unique? Because I'm thinking about communication and I just want to know if you have any thoughts on it. Um, my thoughts on black love is, you know, it's very important. You know, I, I, I think it's, I shouldn't just put a color on it, but um, it's all about pure love. I, you know, I always say, you know, if you got pure love in your heart, then, you know, you can't do no wrong really. But um, black love, you know, I mean, in a relationship wise, I feel like as long as you, you know, treat your person how you would want to be treated, your, your your relationship will be successful. You know, um, if you look at yourself as a black king, you should treat your woman as a black queen, you know, and um and always keep that mentality and you'd be great. And Jaden, we wanna hear from you. What are your thoughts on black love? This this question is um is is unique in itself that I have to take my time with it. I think, um, I think black love is two people who are of the same ethnicity or uh, aroundabouts that are deeply in love, uh, portray it, uh, embody it and live it, uh, till it's, till it's fullest. Um, I think for me personally, the best way for me to describe, uh, black love is me looking across, uh, the room or me, me, um, looking at the hand that I'm holding and the the amount of love and care and protection and empowerment that I feel from holding that hand or looking at that face uh, and it, it being even more so important because it, it happens to be of the same complexion as me. Um, I think a, a Black couple, for it to be something that is so unique, is it's, it's actually a problem that it is so unique. It should be more fluent. Um, it should be more vocal. It should be more um, uh, touched on, quite frankly. Um, I think it shouldn't be unique. It should be something that's spread out throughout our race, throughout our community, um, to, and even more so for my Black men, because I feel like, um, to be honest, for all the ladies out there, I do feel like Black men as a whole, we have let y'all down in, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, going outside the race is fine. Whoever you love is who you love. But quite frankly, um, I think the one thing that was taken from us, uh, even as slaves, was, you know, the ability for us to get married, the ability for us to, to produce and keep our kids and keep our kids. So um, for them to dehumanize us so much and turn us into just objects of, of trade and for us to have the opportunity to 
to procreate and to love one another and to be there for one another and to protect one another and for us to be falling to the wayside is, is incredibly disheartening. Um, so for me, um, black mm -hmm. love is, 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 is a beautiful, delicate creature that needs to be protected at all costs. That's what, that's what black love is to me. I don't, I don't have like a, a, di a direct definition of it, frankly, because I think black love crosses so many different uh, uh, conversations uh, all in one. But what I will say it is whenever I hear black love, the first word that comes to my mind is protection. That is the first word that comes to my mind. Protection of our queens. And even if you if you're if you're a part of the LGBTQ community, uh, protecting your, your black king, quite frankly, protect or protecting your black queen. If you know, if you happen to be of the same sex marriage, that's perfectly fine. But like as long as it's black love and it's it's at the epicenter of it all. And it's it's something that you care so deeply about. But by all means, share it and empower it. And, and quite frankly, again, just protect it. Mm. Well, thank you, Black King. Nick, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I would say Black love is like, how can I describe Black love? Black love is like something so sacred that it's not just more than regular love. As Jadon was saying, like, we've endured so much in our history so that this is so rare. It's it's something so sacred. So to see it is an excellent, it's a beautiful thing. It, it, it also means black excellence. It, it means you two have excelled in life where you guys realize that you guys need each other in this life, want each other in this life and decide to make it work with each other forever. So that mm -hmm. is, in that sense, is excellence, not even excellent, it's excellence with the CE. because it's like you, you have mastered that uh, at least. So uh, I, I see this uh, first word I think of is something sacred. So even so that could be something like, like you know, protection as well. Like you said, like, like Jada said as well. It's like a, almost like a fine diamond that you something that you get from a lot of pressure because the stigmas are to go for the lighter skin women or the Spanish women or whatever, women or whatever, what have you. So to stay within house, to respect the uh, a black woman's boundary and understanding who she is and understanding why she is that way, not because she's attacking you, it's because she's been done by someone who looks similar to you. So mm. she needs you, but she doesn't. She can't say that. So you know, she you, you have to just show her that. And so that is black mm -hmm. love, and that is black excellence, and that is what that looks like to me. Is is understanding that. You guys are making a pact that's sacred to the world, not even just sacred to you too, you know, because there's not much examples. So you are of the world. Mm. Wow. You both spoke so eloquently and so powerfully. And I'm sitting here thinking like another form of Black love is just Agreed. what we're doing right yeah. now. Like, I feel like we're just pouring into one another, empowering one another, supporting each other's thoughts and boundaries and circumstances, and really protecting ourselves from white society and how it hinders us in our communities. And so I appreciate both of your responses. Um, and, I, and I'm sitting here just thinking about the fact that the majority of black women in America are single by circumstances and not even by choice, right? And so if a, either of you have ever had an opportunity to just look at some stats, I mean, just in the 2010, there was about 71% of black women in America who were unmarried. Um, and of that 71% of black women, they were between the ages of 25 and 29, and 54% of them were between the ages of 30 and 34 and had never been married. And by comparison, 43% of non-Hispanic white women between the ages of 25 and 29 had never been married, had, had never married. So just like women of color not really having an opportunity to be mm. protected by their kings. It's something that I wanted to really touch on and, and to say that when, when we talk about have, honoring the opinions of black men and honoring our black men, and Nick said it's so wonderful when he said, um, you know, they're not attacking us by, by choice. They, they just don't trust us to protect them. And it's so interesting because that's what right. they want the most. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, and, and it's, it's a wonderful conversation that we continue to have, but that leads me into the next question of thinking about 
are there really any problems between black women, black men and black women? Or is this just a misunderstanding? And I'll start with Nick. Ah, wow. Um, yes, there is. Um, what the problem is, is could be up to opinion, but there definitely is because like you said, you just you just gave us the stats. You literally just outlined the stats, and so that, that there's a problem there. Uh, I was fortunate enough to grow with up with both my parents, but um, I've seen I've grew up with plenty of friends who've had only single mothers. Even though I had I grew up with both my parents, um, my my dad was in infidelity and adultery, so. Um, I've seen that. I've seen that firsthand. So there is a problem. Like it's it's every it is. I, I've seen it all my life. I've seen like the constant mm-hmm. attack of the black man, attack of the black woman. I see it on my television screen during Love and Hip Hop or any VH one show. If I if I click it on a Monday night, I'll see it right there. So it's it's everywhere. Like like mm-hmm. where there's a where there's a constant cat and dog fight between the black men and black women. Like I said, what it is, the essence of it, like it, it it's we can we can dive into that for hours, but there is a problem that needs, that, that can be addressed, that, that needs to be addressed and like the easiest way is communication between us. There's this huge communication barrier between black men and black women. Whereas though, once again, we feel like we shouldn't have to explain ourselves. Our money, our chains, our car should do the talking. Well, um, yeah, I am a black woman who has money to do all those things too. So what next? And now I don't know what next because I thought this was supposed to just get me by. And so there, there's there, there's that too. So there's just a multifaceted thing where we have to just start by discussing them out and like figuring it out. Right. Absolutely. No, I I hear you. Um, oh yeah, I think Jay, the answer you to your question is disconnect. I think um, the um, is there a problem? Yes, I do think there's a problem. And um, uh, to continue on with the uh, the conversation, I do believe that the answer to disconnect is communication. And how do we uh, how do we approach communication um, or or satisfying that answer of communication is by by coming with a multifaceted approach. Quite frankly. Um, I think it's not just the communication, it's the imagery. I think it's because quite frankly, I think the the disconnect between man and woman of the black and brown races is just quite frank. Uh, to be frank, it is the uh, uh, the imagery. It is the, the soundtrack of life that we hear on a regular day, uh, regular basis. I think um, we have to attack it with the way we raise our children these days. Um, um, I think the men need to desexualize the amount of, of imagery that they see of our black and brown women. Um, I think we need to humanize. I can't believe I'm saying this, but we need to humanize what a woman is supposed to look like, what real curves are supposed to look like, what real sexuality is supposed to look like, what real um, a real woman looks like for the for at least for the men. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can go on Instagram and because of, you know, the search engines that they have powering these these social media activity, um, we have a bunch of, of you know, over sexualized, overly co- curvaceous, um, you know, uh, um, examples right in our faces. And for for guys who are like me or for guys, you know, out there just cruising along, uh, quite frankly, you know, we're 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 the. Uh, we're the reason why that continues to be portrayed out into the world because we, we say, Oh, she's exotic. Or uh, we say something like, Oh, you know, I would hit that or whatever, whatever you say, we've all been part of those water cooler um, boy locker room kind of conversations. We've all been there. Um, I think for the Queens out there, um, I think, frankly, you've lost faith in us. I think it is up to us to restore the faith. And I think it's up to you to accept us for what we were and to give us the the patience to, to get to where you need us to be. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a lot of dudes who feel very insecure that, you know, the the amount of um, money that women make these days as well. If you look at that statistic, 
um, you know, women are making significantly, especially my uh, my black women out there, they are making significantly more money than the men out the men out here these days. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hearing multiple layers of issues when it comes to the black love experience. Um, and, I, and I love the fact that you both were able to defend black women and protect black women. Um, I didn't hear much about what you all need from black women as black men. And so there is a stigma behind some of that too, right? Um, there is some space where you all need us too to do some things for you. So it is about protecting and loving black women. Yes, I agree. But it's also about some things that we have to do for you in return, right? Or not even in return equally. And so a lot of times I think when I meet with a lot of black men who are really in tuned and really trying their hardest to restore the black family, I oftentimes have to remind them, but what about you? And, and what are your needs and what are some things that we can work on as, as black women to help you feel most supported? And sometimes it is saying our feelings and being a little less aggressive, right? Or talking about why we're becoming aggressive. Um, but I also want to talk about just like, I can't help it to think about just the historical components of research that highlight the disparity faced by black communities with an emphasis in love, marriage, and the family system. And so I'm just thinking about the formalization and legalization of black marriages in the United States. It began during the Civil War. So like that's 1861, that's only 159-ish years ago. And so out of 200,000 years, we have only been allowed to marry one another for the last 160 years or so. And so I even think about stats where I've read about like the nation's founding legislative decisions denied black women protection and gave advantages and granted white women with opportunities to stop black women from being married. And, and so, and that was in in, uh, 1643, the Virginia general assembly ratified laws that levied taxes on black women's labor, um, as, sleep, as slaves are for, for free. And so I'm thinking about our black men who do want us, right? Or who did want us back then, they couldn't afford to have us. And so who are they going to go to? So we're not talking about the intersection of how mixed races may have happened. We're not talking about the fact that our black women were stolen from our black men, right? And then that's how our family systems were intersected with other races. So if there's no taxes on other women, but there's taxes on black women, I'm wondering about the power in that black love experience. Why, why is the, why is the society trying so hard to keep us apart? You know? And so I just wanted to make sure I put that out there. Like there's so much trauma and threats of separation and danger. Um, a lot of limited rights and protection when we're together. And so I guess my hope into restoring some of this faith is it's reminding black people that we are a threat together and that should, in alone, make you be more curious about our communities and about our family systems. So I'm going to just jump into the next question because we talked a lot about communication. And I just wanted to know, can either one of you share, I'm going to start with Nick. Can you share a little bit about the background of your communication style? You know, what was it like for you in your household growing up? Um, like I said, I grew up, I was fortunate enough to grow up with both my parents, um, whether or not they treated me the or it went the, the best with them is you know opinion based but i was able to grow up with both of them i'm haitian so i was able to grow up with them speaking creole to me um them using corporal punishment as a method of discipline up until i was about 12 13 um i am a number three out of four kids but both my parents used to do um, used to do like um, missionary work, so they would always have missionary people in and out the house for extended periods of time. Uh, sometimes they would even like have us go like to to relatives' house while they had missionaries come to our house, um, and so that was like my background growing up. Uh, so like I had a little Christian religious background, but um very suppressed childhood very like I, I i was always used to having my things being shared or 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 
tampered with. I didn't really was not ever used to my own space. So I know that created some mm. anxiety for me growing up, um, which um, had me in early adulthood very possessive of things, of materialistic things. And as I grew older into my life, I had to realize that, you know, there's things that, you know, you can share with the world, but there's things to keep to yourself, but, you know, you have to know the balance. And so, yeah, I could say that still somewhere. Mm. Okay, thank um, you. And Jaden? I think, uh, let's, how do I put this? Well, first off, let me say the communication style in my home was a very, um, it wasn't always as positive as I think I might have needed it to be as a child. Um, I think a lot of it was based off of like yelling, uh, of course, um, just, um, and uh, it was normally yelling was always immediately followed by like, you know, uh, some form of physical punishment in some type of way. Um, uh, I don't think the the communication style was as positive as I might have needed it to be when I was younger. Um, I think it was always uh, a direct order um, with uh, a tad bit of, of enlightenment, or should I say not enough enlightenment. And um, it was always followed up by, again, like some sort of, you know, like a butt whooping or something like that. Um, and I think uh, if, if, me personally, I feel like if I could go back in time, you know, because at the end of the day, my mom did what the best she could possibly do. I wasn't raised by around both of my both of my parents. Um, they did split um, shortly after I was I was brought into the world. And uh, my dad was in and out of my life, um, consequently, because he was he was a uh, he was devoted to being an alcoholic and uh, being very, very abusive um, uh, physically to me. So therefore, that's the reason why, you know, uh, that really my communication style was, uh, you know, really messed up just growing up, period, because I, I didn't know what was right and I didn't know what was wrong, quite frankly. Um, uh, when you, especially when you're in an abusive household, you just, um, the lines of what is supposed to be fruitful to the mental growth of a child gets blurred very quickly and very harshly, you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you really have to pull yourself back from. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of uh, bring up the analogy of like trying to see the light at the end of the tunnel, really, because you, you get hit on and beat on and yelled at for so long that you really think, you know, that's the OK thing to do. And um, it really takes you a long time to kind of realize that, no, as you as you grow and mature, hopefully you get examples of what uh, progressive um, and fruitful communication styles are. Um, but as a child, those were my communication styles, yeah. you know, and I don't place anything at, at at my parents' feet. They 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 only did what they knew, you know, um, especially my mom. My mom is a fighter. She tried everything she possibly could to just, you know, keep keep us afloat, you know, whether it meant bouncing from house to house or, you know, uh, you know, momentarily when we were homeless, you know, we didn't even feel like we were homeless because my mom was just, you know, always there doing it up, you know, um, Till this day, you know, I can't I can't survive a Thanksgiving without her uh, without her mac and cheese. So shout out to moms. Um, but um, yeah, this that's just all I knew. And as far as my dad is concerned, really, it it I carried hate hatred for him up until really up until his death. When I watched my dad on his deathbed, and I kind of just he couldn't speak to me, but I could speak to him. And um, I I think uh, it took me a little bit to just kind of come to terms with the fact that I I would never hear an apology from him. You know, I would never get the chance to say, you know, hey, this is what you mm -hmm. did to me and I need you to answer for it, you know? So it, it just kind of forced me to look at it from a wider lens and just think to myself, like, you know what, that man was dealing with his own internal battle. And and frankly, it's it's not up to me to judge that man for that. At the end of the day, he, he did what he had to do. And the best way for me to do what I got to do is to just forgive and just just let it go frankly just let it go you know I mean, how much how much time mm -hmm. how much time how many tears yeah. how much anger how much aggression am i going to devote to a human being that is no longer with us it just didn't make sense so and what's it like for you malik my mother told me how to treat a woman uh -huh. you know and you know and and she always told me you don't you protect your woman and to protect the woman in your life so that's how i was raised uh -huh. so, you know but she was also strong so i could i could realize a strong woman you know what I mean, from the gate. Mm -hmm. So Nice. Yeah. So 
and I, and I like that because it's what you're really exhibiting is like an ability to share the floor, right? Because a lot of black men, black kings, they're alpha men. And a lot of black women are also alpha women. But what's so, you know, amazing about some of the things that you just shared, it's like I'm able to share the floor because I was raised by two black women who taught me how to communicate effectively. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, it, and it's like, you know, you have to give credit when credit is due. Like, you know, you got to let you, you know, sometimes, you know, you got to let your woman be a woman. Just like a, a woman has to let her man be a man. So, you know, you, you I can't overshine my woman. That's that's not good. Mm. We got to shine together. Right, right. Okay, great. Um, and with, with that in mind, did you have the representation of other black and brown men growing up? And if so, how did representation influence your identity? Um, to be honest, um, really had no father figure. Um, the men that I did know, they was in jail. Um, and the men that I, you know, I grew up with, is, it's, a, it's a pack of my friends. And we just basically raised each other, basically. You know, um, I mean, it was a few teachers here and there that, you know, I, I looked up to. But, you know, I really, it wasn't really no strong impact of a man in my life. So all I had was my mother and my grandmother, really, and um I just learned to be a man on my own. Mm-hmm. So that, so, you know, not really a strong point, but, you know, I was blessed to not get caught up in the nonsense mm-hmm. you know, overcome everything. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it sounds like you were able to really exhibit your purpose and your ability to really rise above some of the things that happen within black communities, right? It's like, it's, it's a rat race. It's really just a, a tunnel of, of a circle just kind of in a dark space where people and a lot of youth in our community aren't allowed the opportunities to really elevate and educate unless um, they want it. Right. And it sounds like you're someone who wants it and has wanted it for a long time, which is why you're so successful. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's one of the reasons like, you know, before I got into being an entrepreneur, you know, I was, I worked jobs like DYS and um, DCF and, you know, it was my way of giving back to my community. I felt like, you know, at the time, like, you know, I was able to get, be around young kings that you know that maybe they was going through tr- trouble times in their life but they just need sometimes you know some guidance and you know whatever wisdom that I went through when I was younger you know that I, I try to spread that wisdom to them you know like so you know I feel like that was my way of giving back to my community yeah absolutely I, I agree with that fully and I'm going to start with Nick do you have an opinion of what you think the role is of the black man in the criminal justice system? I feel as though, like, we all know the numbers. We are the one who, we are the ones who are in there the most out of any other race, ethnicity, what have you, gender, what have you. The black man owns prison systems. Like, they have manufactured ways to create constitutional rights or rules, laws, what have you in order to favor or in order to put the put us behind the eight ball whether it be whether it be for uh, drug issues or crime issues where where like it's even to the point where you know where higher ups put drugs in our communities and, and the average black person doesn't even understand that like where they put that in their communities because they know we're going to be dealing it to each other and whether it kills us off or whether it creates, you know, separation with us, what have you, it's there planted and it's just a, like a ticking time bomb, like almost like a gas, like one of those gas bombs where, where they throw it knowing that everybody's going to fall from the gas and they could just swoop everybody and just toss them right back in jail. But however, however long, however long. And like you're looking at all these times, there's not even concrete time um, sentences. You have a five, somebody's doing five years for for this in Delaware, while meanwhile somebody's doing twelve years for the same crime in Virginia, and it's just like it's it's a mess. It's, it's going around. It's just, it's it's bad. It, it, we're not able to have jobs from it, so it's it, like it's it's a barrier for the black man. Mm. 
I, I agree with you 120%. And I think the first time you and I, you know, we all met about Invo, you had mentioned this analogy when it came to this banana peel. Do you want to share a little bit more about that yeah, idea? Yeah, okay. Um, definitely. It's like the old Mario Kart game where it's like you're in a race with like uh, with, with your counterparts in your grade, class, workplace, what have you. And you know, even race, and then like whenever you feel like you're getting ahead, this the the, the criminal justice system or the criminal reform, whatever, they they use that the, the the white man uses that and throws that banana pill right on the right right on our cart, have us spinning spinning out spinning out in donuts. Meanwhile, they can just advance. And whenever like we get ahead, it's always something like you see it with the celebrities, you see it with the sports stars. If some of us even see it in our own lives when we are thriving and stuff, they put this janky rule in front of us where it it it, it creates this uh, anger, this anxiety, where they where where they almost get us to react in a way that we're not supposed to. Boom, there's a charge there. So, like like that's how I that's why I compared it. It was like the the, the banana pill in Mario Kart. Whenever whenever in doubt, whenever they're not ahead, they just throw it at our will, and the no will spin out. Mm, yeah, and I uh, agree with you 120%. I thought it was really fascinating when you made that analogy. Jaden? The black man is, uh, excuse me, black and brown people in general, dollar signs. That's what it's meant for. Um, it's meant for a a way to be the modern slavery. That's that's basically what it is. Um, if uh, I, I kind of feel like the you know the the, uh, the criminal justice system should have a, a commercial out, kind of like the army and the navy does, like be all you can be. Um, by by being in jail with us, that's 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 basically what it is. Um, the uh, the fact that you could you could you could get a little bit of commissary and and uh, and uh, use jail labor to produce uh, items that you could sell on the outside is 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 criminal in itself. Um, the fact that you know black and brown people are thrown into jails and private jails at that um, is ridiculous. Um, it doesn't do anything but monopolize the, uh, the jail system. And quite frankly, uh, anything that you monopolize like that, anything that you can get money off of and in, in the private sector, you obviously need to feed it so that you can feed the pockets of, of the people who own those jails and, uh, which, uh, leaves no policing pardon, pardon the, uh, the, the parody of that, but, um, the, the, you, you can't police police. You can't police the people who own the jails. You can't police these senators and these DAs who are in place to uh, sustain some kind of sanity amongst it all. So therefore, as he said earlier, as Nick said earlier, the banana peel is just waiting for you to slip up on. It's waiting for that. And therefore, because of that, I, I think the purpose of us being there is a dollar sign. That's what we are to them. When you look at it, I mean, there's a lot of white folk out there who can vote who don't have felonies holding them back, who don't have to worry about um, the, not being able to vote for their candidate. So when you think of it that way, and, and not for nothing, when you also not just institutionalize us, you also put us in this position where we feel like we can't do anything. You put us in this position of us being helpless. And I think that's what it, that's what, that's what the, 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 uh, the black man or the, or the black and brown man or, or, or citizen in general is meant for. We're just dollar signs to them. That's all we are. We are, we are literally a ID number mm. attached to a bank account. That's what we are. Malik, do you have anything to add about the role of the black man in the criminal justice system? I mean, um, for me, you know, I look at it as that, you know, us being in the criminal justice, it's just money. Um, we really have no role. Like, you know, all, all they look at us is as just slaves that they're going to put in prison. You know, um, it, we have no role. It's just this is terrible what you know like you know the things that's going on in the system right now where you know we, we're seeing people black queens and queens is getting killed right in front of us and nothing's happening uh-huh. so it's like you know um we really don't play the role but just for slavery and, and there's more money for the you know the 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 prisons uh-huh. that's all yeah and and really there's not any protection for not at all for young black americans and I think the, these are my last questions. You know, I just, I guess I'm thinking for listeners, for other black men um, or brown men who are navigating the same or similar journeys as you, 
you know, Jay, I'll start with you. What What is a, um, what's some advice? Um, you know, not every approach to everything that you do deserves a slam dunk. Sometimes you need a finger roll. Um, sometimes you need to be easier on your approach with things. And not because of like, you know, you want to code switch and change yourself up. No, sometimes things deserve uh, a softer response. Um, uh, communication is key. Is something that I would I would tell any um, young young black and brown man out there. I would tell them the same thing. Communication is key, um, and not just co- uh, communication, but comprehension is key. You must comprehend emotion. You must comprehend uh, uh, social views. You must understand what the social views versus what your views are, and how you can navigate the pitfalls of that. Um, you must understand that. Um, self-love is so important. I think self-love is, is like the best love that you could possibly have. You need to love yourself because there's a lot of, uh, my young men out there who, 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 who don't feel like they've been loved, who don't feel like they've, uh, been, been put in the forefront. And sometimes you're, you're kind of forced to put yourself in the forefront really. And, um, when that, uh, case happens to happen, obviously, uh, you just need to understand that it's not you may be a a victim of how you were raised or you can take the lessons that have learned and in a fruitful progressive way make yourself better for the future make yourself better for your future kids and i know it may seem kind of crazy for like a young man to even think about that that far ahead but my brother you don't have a choice really like to navigate the pitfalls out here you really have to be 10 steps ahead you got you have to be that lebron james that sees the play two three steps ahead you have to be that you have to be the quarterback that sees you know the blitz coming and you audible out of it you have to be that so that's that's the advice that i would give thank you and nick what, what would be some advice you'd give to the audience um i'd say travel i'll tell the next black man travel See stuff outside your environment. There's a lot of world out there. And the average black man does not understand that and um, only knows their environment and only can act in their environment. So I'll say travel, feel feel people that don't have a clue about who you are and like see how you present yourself to those people that have no idea who you are. And you will start to figure out who you are in that sense. Um, and within that is like start thinking of your legacy is like obviously we've seen people come and go in our lives as all these things go, you know go around and it's like what what do you want people to think of you as at the end of the day what are you leaving behind like you was maybe something that you was not or our family wasn't able to leave anything behind for you but what are you leaving behind for a potential son daughter friend for what are they what are they what are people gonna say about you like you know can you are your names gonna still ring bells after after this lifetime and you should strive for that like everyone should strive for that like if you if you don't strive for your name to ring bells in the next life then you're not living this life the, the correct way to quite be honest and that's and i mean that in the most humblest way possible so um i was that's that that's my two uh, weirdly enough that I, i'll say those are my two things travel to figure yourself out and then mm. use that and i like it i didn't feelings. think it was weird at all i thought it was really helpful and useful when you're thinking about your racial identity when you're thinking about your gender identity it's really important to explore those things and always it's probably not always the best thing to do it in your current environment so thank you i think my last question for the both of you is how can invo support you both on your journeys um, and how can the world just be of a support for you as black men as you're navigating this and I'll start with Nick um, I will start by saying Invo has been great already for opening this platform up to us me, me and Jay I can uh, you know, I'm speaking for him but I'm, saying, I'm sure he enjoyed this as well we've had a blast being able to talk to this I have I didn't even know I had my shoulders up until I had I'm having this conversation. Now my shoulders down. I feel relaxed. I feel like I've expressed myself. I've done my good mm-hmm. the week, maybe even the month, because I know this is gonna tap into someone. I don't know who, but someone. So 
I'm just gonna listen to this and feel like, oh yeah, I got something to say to X Y Z, so I can go about that. And so um, I like that. So I, I want to thank Invo for that. Um, the world, what can the world give to mm. the black man? I would just say a chance. Uh, that's all. Just a chance. No, nothing more, nothing less. We just, just a chance. And just like any other human, uh, you know, you give them a chance to they show you who you are, and you, then you are able to ca- cast your judgment. Then you shouldn't cast your judgment on something you haven't given a chance to. Just like that, that food that looks a little funny to you, and you end up giving a chance to you know, end up liking. Thank you, Nick. And um, I know that Invo is definitely giving all Black men that chance um, and all Black people that chance. So thank you for mentioning it. Um, I think it's important for us to give each other opportunities, um, especially when we know that the world may not give them to us. Jaden, what is something that Invo can do for you and or what can the world do for you to make your journey easier? I think the proper question is what what can I do for Invo? Because I feel like Invo is done is doing enough. Um, I feel that at the end of the day, um, normalizing and continuing the conversation of of building and producing uh, better black men, um, better black and brown men is is crucial to the uh, the evolution of our society. And I feel that uh, Invo is one of those pro uh, the uh, is one of those companies that's at the forefront of that. And I I sincerely appreciate even being on this uh, this podcast for that. Um, so I definitely echo the same sentiment as Nick. Um, I'm extremely appreciative for being here. Um, I'm extremely appreciative of. Of, of feeling how relaxed I am as well. Um, the fact that I'm able to speak to somebody, as, as Nick said, anybody that might take this, um, you know, because I'm a big fan of always taking everything with a grain of salt and just always tuning in and really tapping in and figuring it all out um, based off of the, the opinions of, of, of others. And um, I feel that if my opinion can help just one person out, of, out there, then I've, I've done my job. Uh, really spoke to me is when Nick said, you know, um, you know, what I want the world to give us to just give us a chance. Um, I, I actually feel like they're never going to give us a chance. We have to just take it. That's that's just the way I feel personally. You know, um, you know, they they won't allow you to do anything. So uh, create good trouble, create good trouble, and continue to c- continue to take. You know, uh, I believe in Langston Hughes. He he once said, you know, they. They they feed us, you know, this this porous, uh, horrible food, not knowing that I sit in the back and laugh while I, I continue to get bigger. I continue to get fatter. I continue to get stronger. And I think that's the biggest thing that I want all my black and brown men out there to understand. Like, take take the crap that they give you and turn it into a gold mine. Mm, thank you, Jaden. And what's it like for you, Malik? Um. I just feel like um, this. Well, I want to say this is a great show. You know, I want to say that. Um, and I, I like what you're doing, trying to get back to the um, black kings and um, black queens and reaching out. Um, and um, this is a, a great platform. So I hope everybody tunes in. Right now, I'm just big on kings sticking together and queens sticking together, and us just getting this money together and let's support black-owned businesses, black everything. Let's just support each other. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to. If that happens, I'm happy. Mm. It really is evidence and proof that black men are kings and black men are royalty, and they are taking back our communities and protecting and providing for us and our families. I am so thankful for all three of you who have come on to Invo's podcast and shared your journeys and your paths of what it's like for you to be black men navigating your racial identity and your gender. It has truly been an honor to work with all of you and to hear the voices of all of you. And I I hope that here at Invo, we were able to honor your opinions. And I hope moving forward, we can continue to align with one another and build up our communities. Um, Thank you so much for your time. And I hope the audience appreciates appreciates all the work that all three of you did as much as we do. Thank you. Be well.